Hey, this is Gary with Nectar Bridge. In this episode, we're going to talk with Brandon Wilson with Office Pride and Huntsville. We'll talk about franchising, pros and cons of different types of franchising, why you should consider a franchise, and why Huntsville's minor league baseball team has such a ridiculous name. So stay tuned. It'll be a great 24 minutes or so. Okay, I'm Gary Smith with Nectar Bridge, and I'm here today with Brandon Wilson with Office Pride way up north in Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, he's going to talk to us today about franchising. Uh, Brandon, tell us about yourself. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on, Gary. So like Gary said, I'm with Office Pride Commercial Cleaning Services. I've been with them for three years in, in franchise development. So recruiting new owners, bringing them through our, our discovery process and helping them get set up with, with their new business. Um, hold my certified franchise executive uh, certification from the International Franchise Association, okay. uh, also in the National Guard Reserves. So I uh, do a little bit of civil service on the outside of, of what I'm doing for uh, Office Pride. But yeah, so I'm, I'm here to help, uh, help people come through the Office Pride process. You guys have a little bit of a military background as a company, don't you? Or we, you recruit owners who are military? We do. So we actually um, are a part of the Vet Brand program, which is a, a nonprofit um, sector of the International Franchise Association. So okay. we offer a 25% discount on the franchise fee for honorably discharged veterans. Okay, very good. Down here in Montgomery, we get a lot of Air Force folks. Uh, a lot of folks pick Montgomery as a place to retire. So that's something to think about. So first question uh, I wanted to ask was a little bit more technical. When you read franchise information or when you talk about starting a business in general, there's the idea of active versus passive ownership. And so what does that mean, first of all, to you? And what should a prospective owner be thinking about when deciding what direction to go here? Great question, Gary. So the difference between active and passive ownership, uh, it's going to fall into what's referred to in the franchise industry as owner operator or semi-absentee, or they do have a category called absentee, but in my opinion, nothing is completely absentee. You, you always yeah. have to put in a little work. So right. semi-absentee and owner operator. So your owner operator models are going to be more hands-on. It's going to involve the owner either being full-time in the business, performing whatever the service is, um, or at least having a, a full-time commitment to the business. Whereas semi-absentee would be uh, the owner putting in maybe 10 to 20 hours a week. They're able to maintain their, their regular career, their regular job, uh, and work the business around that. So when looking at the two, you really have to decide whether or not you're ready to go full-time in it, whether you want to jump right in head first, or if you would prefer to maintain your job, keep that uh, going while you're still running the business. Um, so with that, your owner operator are going to be more of the service brands, the service-based industries, whereas the semi-absentee are going to be more of your brick and mortar, retail, um, quick service, restaurant, fast food type, um, franchise systems. Okay. Yeah. And I've, I've heard about that sort of thing. And in sp specifically, sometimes people like physicians or others who uh, have 
have made some pretty decent money in their day job, but want to diversify a little bit. It's in essence more of an investment than it is to really starting a business to have a job. Right, right. So you would be hiring managers, putting management in place day one um, with the business. And then you would be basically overseeing the management, checking on the finances, um, handling any kind of big issues, but you're not, you're not really hands-on. Your manager's taking care of the day-to-day operations of the business. Okay. Makes sense. And this next question is probably related to that and probably um, you, you've already kind of touched on it, but how should a prospective owner decide what industry they should be looking at? Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of industries out there. There's about 120 different individual industries in franchising. So it can be a little overwhelming for someone to look at all of that and try to pick out the right one for them. So when it comes down to looking at the industry and trying to decide what's going to be best, in my opinion, it's best to keep an open mind on everything that's out there. Try to focus more on your skill sets, what you're hoping to accomplish within the business. Um, You know, whether it's semi-absentee, whether it's owner operator, uh, how the, how the model is going to fit with your current skill sets and aptitudes and allow you to utilize those daily within the business. Um, So there are a lot of great resources out there. Uh, the International Franchise Association, they have a lot of good, helpful information on their website to help prospective owners go through, find out what to look for, look at the different information okay. there. Cool. And I, I know you want them to end up with Office Pride, but I'll get that link from you. <laughs> and I'll, uh, I'd like to put that in the show notes because that'd be a great resource. Um, I, my assumption would be that particularly the more active you're going to be, the more that what you alluded to about the skill set really comes into play. Um, I would be a terrible choice to start an auto repair franchise because I can barely put the air in my own tires. So <laughs> maybe not a great choice for me. It is helpful to have some technical knowledge, um, especially when you're looking at some of the industries that, are a little more, um, a little more technical. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so putting myself in the shoes of a lot of my clients, you know, a lot of people I talk to, if I'm thinking about starting a business, maybe I'm about to retire from a day job or I'm looking, uh, for some diversity or I'm, um, maybe I'm out of a job and I've got some money and I'm, wanting to become self-employed, what are the main benefits of going into a franchise arrangement with a company like yours versus just, and I'll I'll put it this way, why can't I just find some suppliers and do it on my own? A lot of people, uh, a lot of people ask that question. And I always tell them, if you are the type of person who wants to create all of the systems, create the processes, figure it out by trial and error on your own, you know, absolutely go, go start up from scratch. The, the real benefit of franchising is you're coming into a system that in theory has the experience behind them. You know, some of the emerging brands may not have quite as much experience, but you're coming into a proven system with processes in place. They know what it takes to be successful, to make you successful. All you have to do is implement. So they've got everything lined up and it's essentially a plug and play 
you're ready to go day one. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, I know in my own consulting, I talk about you need to develop some systems and that's something that I think whether you go it alone or use a franchise that is often neglected. You know, it's just like, well, I know how to do X. I know how to do my trade. So I'm just going to jump in and do that. And that's often creates the problem of scaling because you don't, you don't have a organized way for the next guy you hire to do it enough like the way you did it to uh, keep your customers happy with a consistent service. So that's a great point. Um, what does it typically cost? And I know this is a, you know, broad question here, but what does it typically cost to get started with a franchise system and what other costs should an owner be prepared for? And um, part B to that question, talk a little bit about the assets an owner needs to bring into a franchise agreement. Yeah, so the costs are, are going to be all over the board. You, I'd really say start out around 20000 but realistically, you're probably 50000 plus. Um, in the franchise space, under 150000 all in is considered a low-cost investment. So, okay. for example, at, at Office Pride, we're, it's about an 85000 minimum. And that's factoring in your franchise fee, your startup capital, your working capital. Um, but if you were to look at something like Burger King, for example, you're looking at over half a million just to at the on the low end for getting started. So when you're looking at the semi-absentee models, the brick and mortar, you typically have more expenses due to real estate, leasehold improvements, things like that. So the service industries, you'll be a little easier to start up. Um, but the common fees, the common costs that accrue uh, from starting a franchise are the franchise fee. That's the big one that is essentially buying into the franchise. So those are usually going to range from about twenty to 40000 um, After that, you have your working capital. So every business needs to have working capital set aside for payroll, unexpected expenses, you need to be able to float some of that in case the revenue isn't coming in or isn't coming in when those costs hit. Um, real estate, insurance deposits, um, leasehold, lease deposits, utility deposits, all of that, um, equipment. And then I think the biggest one that gets overlooked is living expenses. Right. So if you're looking at an owner operator model, a full-time basis, you're leaving your current job, you're leaving your source of income to start that up. You need to factor in your own personal living expenses and how you're going to cover those um, while you're trying to reach profitability to where you're able to start drawing a salary. So with that, you're probably looking at anywhere from six to 18 months of personal living expenses um, on average. And I think that's one that, that doesn't get talked about enough that is absolutely crucial. Absolutely. I have heard every, a lot of gurus from, I mean, Dave Ramsey to Michael Gerber to, uh, I forget the name guy's name, but the guy who does the Profit First Accounting System. A lot of people talk about the fact that to me, it's crazy, but when people think about starting a business, they forget the idea of paying themselves. They just 
flat, forget it. It's like they, they figure they'll take some money if anything's left and they don't view that expense of, well, I've got to pay myself if I'm going to be active in the business. And not only just cause you got to, you got to live, you got to eat, but also because if you don't have a number plugged in for that, that senior management role you're doing as an active owner of the business, then when you get to a point, if you did want to step back, you've distorted the profit picture to pay that second person. Absolutely. And that's, that's really big there. So at, with us, with Office Pride, we do focus on all of our new owners. We focus on two milestones on the financial side first. And that's your cash break even where your revenue is exceeding your expenses and then your salary break even. So the point that you're actually able to start pulling the salary from the business without depleting your profitability. So those are, are really something that any owner, no matter what system you're going into, needs to be looking at and cognizant of uh, when, when first getting started. What is a typical just say average time to reach those milestones? Six to nine months. Um, if, if the, in a service based, probably six to nine months, um, could be as high as 18 months, depending on how much your equipment is, things like that, depending on the model. Um, so if, if you have a lot of expensive equipment coming right. in, you have payrolls depending on your accounting, what your customers are paying you on, whether it's net 30, net 60, net 90. Um, but I think six to nine months is a, a good target. Uh, okay. Um, makes sense. And I think, again, that's something a lot of people overlook or don't. I think most people who go into a business are a bit of an optimist. So there's a tendency to think, we're going to be, we're going to be turning it over pretty quickly. You know, we're going to be making a profit pretty quickly, but you talked about living expenses earlier. It's just really vital that you have something, you know, you have a plan for how you're going to meet those expenses. Um, it generally involves some belt tightening on the household basis. You know, you're not going to, unless you have a trust fund, you're not going to be able to live really high while you're trying to get one of these things off the ground. It, it, it takes a little bit of sacrifice there. And my last, my last major question, we may chase some rabbits from here, but my last major question here was uh, just like anything else in life, some franchise systems are better than others. You mentioned on the, on the web pages you can go to and so on, there's just hundreds or maybe thousands of franchise systems you could look at. So if I were looking for a franchise to get into, aside from the obvious pick office pride, what are some qualities? <laughs> what are some qualities that I should be looking for if I'm considering a franchise operation? So I think first and foremost is the experience level of the franchisor. You want to make sure that they do have those systems and processes. They're tried and true. You know, being, being an early adapter has its advantages, but for a first time franchisee, you know, I'd, I'd recommend trying to play it on the safer side and go with a system that has the, proven experience. Um, you'll also want to talk to some of the franchisees, see what their experience has been, make sure that, you know, you're not just being sold. Those are, those are two of the big ones, but I think, you know, really looking at 
what you are going to be comfortable doing, what you're going to be happy doing in the long term. Um, you know, you can go, you can go into the best system ever, but if you're not a good fit for it, you're not going to do well. You're not going to be happy. And that's, that's going to be detrimental to the, to the business. So you want to make sure that it's something that you can see yourself doing long term and that you feel and truly believe you can be happy doing long term. Makes sense. Um, one of the things I, I'll chase this rabbit about franchise systems and how they operate. One of the things that I think about with franchise systems is um, territory. Uh, how close does your does the company you're working with let a competitor or a fellow franchise member or franchisee get next to you? And that that obviously varies by industry. Restaurants, it's not so bad to have another restaurant similar to yours close by, but um, what specifically should you be asking? What questions should be asking about territory? Yeah, so that, that is a good question and it's going to vary based on the industry, but you'll want to know, you know, early on what the territory structure looks like, whether it's defined by zip codes, um, metropolitan areas, whether it's counties, um, cities. So you'll want to know what your restrictions are first and where you're able to operate, where you're able to go, especially on the service side. Um, but you also want to know that the franchisor is not going to put someone right on top of you where you're going to be competing for business or fighting against each other. So asking the tough questions up front, asking, you know, Hey, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to do my business. How many franchisees do you realistically see going into this area? And is there anything in the franchise agreement that prevents you from putting more franchisees there? What are the restrictions on your end? What are the restrictions on my end? What should I expect realistically? And then go back and talk to other franchisees and ask them about, hey, when you're looking at your territory, when you first came in, has anything changed from what you expected versus what actually happened? Um, I think that's, that's one of the, the best ways, and if it's not written out in the agreement, is to get the perspective of other owners. Um, because some systems, ours included, we don't have defined territories. We do it all okay. by market area. But at the same time, we're not going to put franchisees where they're pitted against each other because that's just bad business. It's not good for us. It's not good for them. Um, um, yeah, I said territories and market areas is a better term. Um, well, and we've, we've talked generally about franchising, but uh, take a moment and just talk about office pride. Just, you know, what would you say? Just talk about office pride. Um, as, as if you were selling me on it, uh, tell me about the advantages of your company and tell me all about it. Yeah, so Office Pride, we're a faith-based commercial cleaning franchise system that's been in business for 27 years now. Uh, we have about 139 franchise owners throughout the United States. And for us, one of the big factors and one of the things that we talk through with all of our candidates is the culture that we have. We are, like I said, a faith-based organization. So 
we're very much value driven. Um, we, but honor God as our first core value. That's, you know, what we look to do in, in all of our, all of our dealings with people and other businesses. So for us, we, we spend a lot of time on the culture. Um, but on the flip side, it's also, you know, a very scalable business model too. So a lot of people come in for the culture, you know, they don't wake up in the morning and say, Hey, I really want to you know, start a tutorial business today, but they come in for the culture and then they see the business model, the potential, the strengths there. And that's what keeps them around. Um, right. So it's very scalable It's it's viable and basically any market, um, you know, it's recession resistant. Businesses always need to be cleaned no matter what the economy is doing. Right. So with that, we train all of our owners in every aspect of the business from the sales to the operations to the hiring and onboarding of employees, how to do all of that down to the financials and growth mindsets, business owner mindsets, um, you know, how to plan for the future, how to scale up. So for us, we're very much focused on owners being business builders, having that business builder mentality and wanting to grow a large size business. Okay. Very good. Well, um, one thing I want to thank you guys in Huntsville for, and that is you've taken my son off my hands. He's going to UAH. In fact, this, this home office I have here is I only get to use it because we got him out of the house. Um, so I have the UAH hat up there in honor of him and uh, the Montgomery Biscuits hat, because another thing I can thank Huntsville for is, I don't tell the Montgomery Biscuits people this, but I always thought, well, it's kind of a wacky name. And then you guys got your uh, baseball franchise. Yes, the, the <laughs> Trash Pandas. <laughs> when I saw that on the news, when I saw the names, the, the final names they were coming down to, I thought it was a joke. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that... Uh, the more I think about it, you know, it's, it's clever marketing. I went out and bought a trash panda shirt. Um, it's funny. It's funny. It's catchy. It gets people talking. Um, and when you're in the minor leagues, that's, that's always a good thing. Absolutely. Um, I had a similar reaction when, and did they do a, uh, like a name the team contest in Huntsville as well? Or did they just break out with that name? They did. Yeah, we did a contest too. And I, just when I, when I came out with the name Montgomery Biscuits, my initial thought was, did somebody seriously put that in there? Uh, and did that actually win? So it makes you wonder about the democratic process, but you're absolutely right. The, uh, all of the teams and, you know, you realize this after you get a team in your area and you realize the teams you're playing, uh, uh, we don't play all these, but the, you know, the Michigan lug nuts were a thing, you know, and they're all just kind of wacky. It's not like major league baseball where it's the Cardinals, the Braves and so on. Right. So marketing at its finest, um, you guys, I mean, it's, it's a, before the biscuits organization comes and gets me and takes me away, I'll say it's, it's a fun experience in the ballpark, go minor league baseball. Uh, so it's a good thing for the community. It's done a lot for Montgomery and I'm, I'm sure it'll be a fun thing for Huntsville as well. Absolutely. 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 The stadium is, uh, is going up. So that'll be a fun, fun experience to get to go see some of the games when they open. All right. Well, I'll have to get up there and we'll have to go to a trash pandas biscuits game 
either here there or there. There you go. And now you have more of a reason to visit Huntsville with a, with a child attending school there. So. Absolutely. Um, so, Brandon, I appreciate it. Have a good weekend, and we will see you later. Great. Thanks again for having me on, Gary. Thanks, Brandon. We'll see you.